0: Do you wish there was someone you could talk to openly about money, someone who could talk to you like a Jewish woman, understanding what your values are and your desire to build a rich life without you needing to apologize or compromise, someone who could be upfront with you about the Jewish way to build wealth? Then I've got a surprise for you. It's my favorite event of the whole year, the I'm Ready 5-Day Retreat with me, Yael yeah, Trush. Over the course of five days together, you will discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer. Yes, you heard that right. No taboo, no shame, transformative. In fact, participants have called it life-changing, eliciting breakthroughs every single day, and fun. It's going to be both deep and fun, so much fun. Head over to yaltrush.com forward slash retreat to register for an epic five-day experience starting December 12th. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready to discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer? Then head over to yaltrush.com forward slash retreat to register. And now, enjoy this amazing episode. Jewish Money Matters, Episode 296, The Mystifying Real Estate Investing with Atara Tversky. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here.
1: Overseeing construction was just not anything like a 21-year-old female, you know, could just like easily walk into. A lot of people... In retrospect, we're taking advantage of me. But nonetheless, I sold it and I, I actually walked away with a profit of about $7,500, which was the most money that I had ever seen at <laughs> one time and shot. And I was hooked. I said, okay, I can do this. And I actually put myself through law school loan free
0: buying and selling foreclosures. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today we take a deep dive into the world of real estate, one that I really love. You know, I love real estate, right? And as my guest today suggests, real estate is still some sort of boys' club, I want to say. But fortunately, we have women like Atara Tversky helping change that. Atara is on a mission to help professional women understand real estate as an asset class that needs to be part of their portfolio and a fundamental part of making their money work for them so that they can spend time doing the things they love with those whom they love. And you know, I like the sound of that, right? So I had so many questions for Atara to help you get clear. You, my audience, get clear on what that really means. What is a limited partnership and what is the role of the sponsor or the general partner? I mean, all of these terms that maybe make it all seem so daunting and confusing. How did Atara even get started in real estate and why? Did she really put herself through law school investing? And wait, did she know nothing? I mean, you'll be amazed. (laughs) Why did she then shift into becoming a general partner? And tons in this conversation that will definitely help demystify real estate investing for you ladies. A little bit more about Atara. She is the founder and principal owner of Ascendo Capital, where she specializes in in finding off market properties in thriving areas around the country. And you know, that's a good thing for us investors, right? Atara is a securities litigating attorney advising public and private institutions throughout the world concerning shareholder rights as they relate to class action and individual direct action claims arising under US federal and state laws. She's also the author of a children's book series, Curly Girly. I bet you weren't expecting that one. That book series is inspired by her own young daughter and written for all curly girl girls in an effort to ensure they love their hair and all their unique features and are empowered to become strong the, the strong confident women of tomorrow. I love that. So wife, mother of 3, proud Jewish woman who paved her own path in real estate, Atara is here to teach us about its great potential and how to tap into it. Here's Atara Tursky. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. It's such a pleasure to have you. It's so nice to
1: be here. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great and I can't wait to dive in, talk all about real estate. Well, really, first of all, I mean, like, where do we begin, right? You're a real estate investor, you're a securities attorney, you're a podcast host, mom of three, author of an adorable book series, Curly Mm -hmm. Girly. I mean, I love that. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter with curly hair, so I need to check that out. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) <laughs> That's my passion project that kind of took off just, I don't know how. So it's been amazing.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. But let's do, let's, let's do real estate because I know, again, that is another one of your passions, real estate. You've been investing in real estate for many, many years. You'll tell us about that. You have a podcast about it, Bridging the Gap, Real Estate for Women. You're really um on a mission to help Women understand real estate as an asset class, something that really should be in their portfolio. So we're not talking about their primary residence. We're really talking about Mm -hmm. investing in real estate as a way to make your money work for you, you know, grow while you're doing all the other things that you love. So I love the sound of that. It sounds fascinating, but for many people, as you well know, Atara, that is a whole mystery. So I'm excited to have you on the show, Demystify this asset class a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, there is
1: so much, I think, fear around the unknown, right? Whatever that is in your life. Yeah. And I think for women, which I'm kind of surprised at, but um when i meet women and when i am um, in the real estate world conferences or on job sites i there's like i can count how many women are at a conference um mm-hmm. in a room full of 500 i can spot you know the select few women there which i find kind of unusual in today's world but it still seems to be something that's really scary for women and they will even say highly educated women will say, oh, that's something my husband does right. or, yeah, my dad takes care of that. So I just, you know, go along with him, um, even though they're completely capable of handling so many other things in their lives. So I think there's just a fear of like what is real estate and. Yeah. Does that mean I need to buy an apartment building if I'm a real estate investor? Which it clearly does not, because that means you have to quit your other job. So, (laughs) so I I think that's really um, the issue.
0: Yeah, it's it's like you said. It's interesting that it's still a boys' club, but you're definitely doing your part to help us change that. So, why don't we start before? Why don't we get started with the early days, Atara? When? When did you start investing? Why were you interested in it? How? What was the context for your of your real investing in those early days? So I
1: think, um, and I'll tell you my story, but I think I always inherently, without fully understanding what that meant, uh, knew that real estate and being an investor um had w- would be in exchange for time mm-hmm. that if I could somehow make my money work for me rather than just work for my money that I would have more time to do things and that was a, a driver for me always so I actually put myself through law school buying and selling HUD foreclosures um oh. when I Yeah. Okay.
0: Expound on that, please.
1: (laughs) So when I graduated um, college, I was like, okay, I'm not going to become a doctor. I'm not great at the math science, so I'm just going to go to law school. Um, Kind of just where a lot of lawyers end up because their talents are somewhat amorphous. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up there and I had to get a job, really, because the idea of having all of these loans was so overwhelming for me. And so I got a job working for HUD, Housing Urban Development, in New York, and I they put me in charge of closings. Like as the power legal, I would sit in on closings, and I would mm-hmm. see every day I was doing maybe upwards of ten closings a day, and they were very boilerplate and they were all the same. And I'm a friendly person, so I would kind of start talking to you know the the buyers, like what exactly are you going to do with this property because. It was properties that were in New York and they were selling at really what seemed to me ridiculously low prices and they were forty, fifty thousand dollars. And I was like, where is this? And they would say, Oh, it's you know, you've never heard of it. It's in um Mastic, Long Island, Shirley Long Island. I was like, Okay. Um, so I started to do my homework and I I I thought, wow, well, if they can do this, like I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were telling me, like, we're buying this, we're fixing it over, we're flipping it, we're making a profit. And now looking back, like you have to be 21 to like think that, yes, I can do this. <laughs> because, like, I think now I would be like way too scared, but not having had that much to lose. Um, I said, Oh, I, I think I could do this. And I remember that, um, I bought my first foreclosure and I wasn't allowed to enter the premises. It was completely uh, boarded up and you were only allowed to do a drive by.
0: Oh, um,
1: But I just like okay, I'm gonna do it, (laughs) and I I literally like for the down payment, I gathered all of my babysitting money, my lifeguard money that I've been doing for like years, like every penny that I had went into that. And when I opened the door to the property, the real estate broker was with with me who sold it to me. Like I almost like started to cry. I was like, oh my god, what, what am I going to do with this? It was an utter shambles. And it needed a total gut renovation. And I didn't know what a gut renovation was. You know, now I have, I know how to like underwrite and I know how to do all the, but I didn't know anything at all. So um he said to me, he looked at me, he's like, "Atara, don't worry, I'm going to help you. And he did. And he got me a bunch of contractors and I... Got through the renovation process. I don't know how.
0: How and in the world I, did you afford it? At this point, you liquidated all your savings. I, I, well, HUD gives you loans.
1: So mm-hmm. that's the whole idea. is right to leverage money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's the whole idea. Um, to put as little money down as possible. And HUD and foreclosures generally are really good that way. Banks are, mm-hmm. are really favorably upon that. Um, but really overseeing construction was just not anything like a 21-year-old uh, female, you know, could just like easily walk into. A lot of people in retrospect were taking advantage of me. But nonetheless, I sold it and I, I actually walked away with a profit of about $7,500, which was the most money that I had ever seen and <laughs> shot. And I was hooked. I said, OK, I can do this. And I actually put myself through law school loan free buying and selling foreclosures. So that's how I got started.
0: So this story is at the same time as your your first year of law school? Uh, It was a a year and a half
1: into law school,
0: yeah. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you, wait, this is a great story, Adara. So you make $7,500. You say, I'm hooked. I'm doing this again. Yeah, and again, and again, and again. And And (laughs) until today, and did you know this about yourself that you're like more of a risk taker? Like this, was this something that surprised
1: yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm somebody who likes to think outside the box. I like to think creatively. Um, I don't like to fit into a traditional mold. I wasn't somebody who loved like the regiment of school. I didn't love the idea of having a boss. And I think mm-hmm. that was my uh, huge driver for always wanting to be entrepreneurial was that mm. I don't want to be told what to do when and how. I'm a really hard worker, um, but I want it to be on my own terms.
0: Mm-hmm. But yet you decide to continue on the law school path, um, but not be saddled with the debt. So you you have this right. real estate business going on the side as you're embarking on your degree. I'm always about fallback.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm a
0: risk taker with, um,
1: I guess, I don't know if caution is the word, but I, I like to invi- see a whole big picture. Mm-hmm. And part of a big picture is understanding that you can take risks, but you have to be smart about them. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a fallback. I believe in that very strongly. I also believe that you have to finish what you start. I did actually take a semester off from law school. I was like, wow, I'm making money. I don't really need to finish law school. And then um, I said, you know, just finish what you start. You never know when this will come in handy. And exactly. it certainly has served me well to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I don't regret it at all. Um, but but it certainly wasn't what I wanted to do forever, full time. So
0: Now, before we dive into the next uh, piece of the story, the next part of the story, what about your family, your friends, like your support network? What were they saying? Like, were you getting a lot Everybody of resistance? It was
1: crazy. Everybody thought I was pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't come from a family where my parents were business people. My father was a teacher. Um, my mother had a small store. I, I don't like, I really don't come from that kind of background. Yeah. I do have in my head, my mother always saying, you know, real estate is great, but I didn't know what that actually meant. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> um, So yeah, I think a lot of people I think that's the, but, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. And I think it's a really important piece of the story, right? Cause a lot of people assume, like you said earlier, well, my father does that, right? So people assume, well, if you come from a family who's been doing real estate, then naturally you'd be, become a real estate investor. You know, those are the typical right. stories that we hear. Um, right. And here you're saying, no, I started from scratch, literally. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think so. What I'm actually
1: even mostly advocating is not that everyone, like I said in the beginning, starts out and says, okay, yeah, I want to be in real estate. Although, if you do, you know, please feel free to reach out to me. I'm I'm happy to you know provide whatever insight I can. Um, But that's really a whole other animal that really does require you to dive in very, very full time. Mm -hmm. Um, You can flip houses casually. You can um, have partners, but like to really be a real estate sponsor investor, you do have to devote yourself to that, um, on a pretty serious basis. But I think for a lot of women, especially professional women, I don't know, um, who your audience is, but assuming that some of them are professional women, then they make their own money, right? Right. And then they have some income that can be invested. And rather than letting it sit in the bank, or playing the stock market, which is incredibly risky and actually requires you to fully understand. And I say that as a securities attorney, you really have to know what you're doing and you have to watch that on a very daily basis. So I think rather than doing that, becoming a passive investor, meaning investing in other people's deals, um really is a way to earn returns on your money to diversify your portfolio and that's a way to accumulate wealth for yes. women
0: which brings mm-hmm. us to your what you do right now as a partner you know for let, let's when did you make that transition atara so we go from the early days now you have this full business people come to mm-hmm. you 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 know you have deals people invest and you're the partner of the pro- deals well, you're the general partner. At what point did you decide this is this is the direction I I want to take? So
1: um, I'm still practicing as a lawyer, although it's less and less. Um, I would say of my time is devoted to that. Um, but I do represent a lot of public pension fund clients, and I have a whole roster of clients, and I am in touch with them always. And I actually um, many of them actually invest in my deals as well. Oh, cool. Uh, Personally, yeah, so that's been really nice. Um, so I am fortunate enough now to actually be married to somebody who is an entrepreneur. He is actually partner at a law firm. But when you are owning a law firm, it's a boutique law firm, you are not just in the practice of law, you're in the business of law. Mm-hmm. And so he's always seen everything that he does from the lens of business. And he's been involved in real estate for a really long, long time. So ah. um, from that, I did pick up on a lot of what I knew and now more, much more recently have decided to devote myself to it. As a sponsor myself, Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. nice. So, what does that mean? Define define it for people. You did it briefly already, but just like break it down for the people in the audience who are like, this is so interesting. But you know, like some of these terms are so foreign to people. When we say sponsor, which really means general partner, the same thing, I think. Whatever, break it down for people. Like, what does it mean? What do you do when? What What do you do exactly?
1: OK, so a sponsor is somebody who is structuring the whole deal. They are the one who finds the deal generally. Now, you can have a group of sponsors, so it can be a group of, of partners and it can be structured in various ways. But it's somebody who finds the deal, um, works the deal, gets the loan on the deal, Um Takes care of the renovation if there's any, and usually there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that goes into the background of a deal. For instance, right now I'm in contract on a on a deal. Um, I don't want to get too specific, but um, my what I call like my uh, my superpower is finding off market deals. Mm-hmm. Um so not really waiting for them to go uh, you know on the MLS listings where everybody who's an investor is going to be seeing them but really to cold call um and to become friends with property managers and others in the industry so that you can really know about deals before they are actually for sale mm-hmm. and i always like to say like everything is for sale so there's no such thing that it's not for sale it's the price right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Price has to work, and that requires what we call very serious underwriting. And that's something that, again, as a sponsor, you're putting together the entire deal. So you're going to underwrite it, which means you're going to make sure that all of the numbers are working, that your projections are working, because you're not just buying a property for you to take over where the current owner is right now, right? You're trying to do better. You're mm-hmm. trying to give um, the people that invest with you a really good upside. Um, So I've always found that finding off-market deals is a great way to do that. It's really hard. A lot of sponsors won't even go there. It's just it requires a lot of um, tenacity, ability to take great rejection uh-huh. So really that. Um, um, like sometimes I kid around. I'm like, sometimes like, I, I feel like I'm like in a bad relationship. Like the, the seller will be like, okay, I'm selling. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm
0: not. It's, it's not no. you.
1: It's me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but there's If you find a great deal, you can really be the recipient of of a really great deal that works amazingly. And that's really the sponsor's job. And again, you can have partners, um, but then you will bring in people to be limited um, partners, Mm -hmm. LPs, and they get to invest in the deals that you are currently in. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to come in on a deal that I'm in right now and I show them my returns and I say, look, my ROI, my AAR, my IRR is, um, you know, 18 to that's really high, especially in today's world. Um, And I'm getting a great interest rate because I'm dealing with a local bank rather than a national one or all the various things that go into making a good deal, a good deal. Mm -hmm. You might say, oh, wow, suddenly this makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. leaving my money in the bank isn't making so much sense. Right. And investing in the market, maybe that's not where I want to go. It's too risky. But, you know, people always need places to live. And that's why I love investing in multifamily. Because I think like that's an asset class that is always a sure bet. And mm-hmm. I mean, rents have gone astronomically high in the last few years. And even if they take a dip, it's still going to be an asset class that makes
0: money. So did you always do multifamily? Um, yeah, actually. Mm-hmm, I, I've mm-hmm. so when- done that. When people are coming as limited partners on a multifamily deal, they're not just coming in on the appreciation when you sell the building. They're also getting cash flow, probably. Or it it depends on how you structure the deal, right? It's
1: really So that's such a great question, Yael. It's really dependent on each deal. And there's different kinds of investors, and you have to define who you are. Mm -hmm. Are you Mm someone who wants cash flow every single month, and that's your primary concern? And that's some people who... Um, don't have other income. A lot of seniors, a lot of older people say, you know, I'm on a fixed income. I've got $300,000 to invest. I need that to earn a return for me. Um, there are other people that say, you know what? I like the idea of investing in an area that's going to appreciate. Um, and I love, I love those personally myself. Um, because there really is so much potential because I'm always going to underwrite really conservatively. Like in the, in the deal that I'm working on right now, I'm underwriting for rents to increase. They're currently around 950. I'm underwriting for them to increase to around 1300, but that's actually conservative for the area that I'm in because Mm -hmm. I believe they can actually go to 1400, which Mm -hmm. means if I hit that, I'm even higher on what I promise my investors than at the 1300. So I really love the idea of investing in appreciation um, in areas. I wouldn't say you can, you always have to cash flow, but if you can invest in an area that you believe in, then you will um, have the opportunity for rents to increase in ways that really are unanticipated. Mm -hmm. And that's an extra bonus. So you really just have to ask yourself what kind of investor. Are you? Are you someone who must have cash flow, or can you park your money for some time mm-hmm. um, and, and see what happens? And hopefully, you're with a sponsor, um, a general partner who is going to be conservative in their underwriting. So, if they promise you a certain number, they're going to get there. That's, mm-hmm. I think, the goal. Atara,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, when you when you back to the early days when you started, you again you repeat it right. You got that first foreclosure, then you did it again. Um, now you were were you managing these properties, or were you hiring people at the, at some point to do this for you? Walk us so, through those middle years.
1: Oh, so at that level of flipping, I wasn't. Oh, ever, you were flipping. Yes, I wasn't ever renting them out. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I was really doing them as a flip, and it's kind of ironic. Um, that I started out in that area because right. um, it's a little, you know, a lot of people from New York have never heard. They're like, where's Shirley Long Island? I had never heard of it living in New York my entire life. Where's Mastic? Where's Port Jefferson? So the irony is that I actually pass that route now all of the time because um, I have a home um, in West Hampton, and I drive by there almost every weekend getting there with my kids, um, because it's literally 20 minutes outside of the Hamptons, but it's still, but it's an area that like, it's, it's a whole different area, um, where, you know, it's ironic because I mean, it's it's certainly not the Hamptons by any stretch, but I could have kept kept a lot of those properties that I bought for fifty thousand, and they would be worth probably five hundred now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the time, that was really not something that I even had the bandwidth to do. Um, but you, you, the interesting part is, people always say, "Well, I always I have to go out of." my state um, to invest. And I actually believe there are landlord friendly states And New York is right now, not one of them, but there are ways to invest almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is to me, like such a great example. Yeah, so, so, so so that's- Just because I don't think anyone has ever heard of it, but right. it's literally right there under people's noses.
0: Right. So meaning, meaning also there, when you say there are ways to invest outside of where you are, if you find somebody like yourself, right, a sponsor who is specializing in projects in a particular area, you don't have to be there. If you have that relationship of trust with this, with a tower, let's say with a sponsor who, you know, is bringing you a deal that is most likely to do very well.
1: That's exactly right. You mm-hmm. ha- you need not ever go see the property, although if you'd like to, you can. <laughs> it's right. that kind of thing. But it's completely unnecessary mm-hmm. because you're a limited partner. Um, the idea is you don't want to be involved in the day-to-day asset management. You are a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant. That's what you want to do. You just want to have your um, your income grow in another way, not just... Um, through the vehicle of, of you working for your mm-hmm. money, which,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is that. So, you know, my whole um, um, website and everything that I'm really about is is the power of time, because I think that um, managing our money properly and investing properly really frees up our time to do the things we love with the people that we love. And that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and what about... Um... Why not? We talked about you mentioned the the stock market, which might seem daunting to many and, you know, volatile and risky and all that. But then there might be a case to be said for, you know, a real estate fund, for example. What do you say to that?
1: Um, That's another vehicle. So a real estate fund, it can certainly work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's you're going to be part of a, a group where there's a lot of other um, things going on that you're really not going to understand as much about mm. um, because they're going to be invested in various different vehicles that take them to the next place of multifamily or storage or whatever it is. So I think that certainly in the beginning, um, it, it's really easier to, to wrap our brain around real estate. Investing in a fund is almost no different than investing in the stock market. Right, um, And I really um, I've done so much research and uh, there's just mounds of research that actually shows that when women understand real estate as an asset class, they actually do better mm. at investing than their counterpart men. Nothing against yes. men. I have yeah. uh, one son. How uh, long with girls? I have a great husband. But just the way women's brain are wired and the way they like to understand things, you know, it's I I liken it to how women will always ask for directions and men never will, Uh right? We're in a car, we don't know where we're going. I'm the first one to be like, hold on, let's stop and find out. (laughs) Everyone else, my husband is like, no, I'll figure this out. (laughs) Um, So I think there's that's how women operate in real estate. They ask Mm -hmm. a lot of questions and they interact with a lot of people. They use their people skills. Mm -hmm. And I think that... Quality helps them to yeah. really once they understand to become really really great investors. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, there's there's that's been proven that we that we are we have this tolerance. We're not as emotionally reactive, which is kind of ironic, right? We have this tolerance for time, right? For waiting, which yes. is Patience. paramount here, right? Yes.
1: Well, don't you think as a parent, right? Like. That's almost the number one trait that you have to have is patience.
0: Wait a long time for that outcome. (laughs) Right. You have to be in it for the long game. You're planting, you're planting, you're watering the seed. Right.
1: That's the reality of your life as a mother. So I think that we are just like predisposed to get good at that.
0: Hey there, the I'm Ready Retreat is back. An epic five days together where you will discover the Jewish money secrets that will make you richer. Join me December 12th to the 16th in the I'm Ready Retreat. Five free days with me, Yael Trush. Head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register. I'm ready. Are you? Head over to yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat to register for the I'm Ready five day retreat. big lessons or maybe challenges perhaps that you've experienced as a real estate investor that you'd want others to know about and not go down that path that you say, these are lessons that people need to know because I messed up here and I just want other people to know.
1: Oh, wow. What a great question. I mean, look, I'm constantly like what I say, a work in progress, right? I'm always making mistakes there's always like a deal, like, oh, should I have paid this? Did I overpay? There's always a moment when you sign a contract where you're like, oh, I think I overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just always like that. And if you if you don't get the deal, it's the reverse. Mm. Oh, that was the best deal ever. I can't believe I let that go. Um, so I think there's just a lot of um second guessing, just as people. I think we do that. There is so many different events, um, small and large, that I can learn from that I'm learning from every day. I mean, I think like a big thing when you're venturing into this, this market is there's so much information out there. Listen to podcasts, especially as women, we're such great multitaskers. You know, you're home, you're cooking dinner, the kids aren't home yet. Like find a great podcast that will explain this to you and like speak to other people. There are such great meetup groups. I did recently, I was invited to speak in Atlanta for a group of professional women. And I was like, this is so amazing that these women who really they wanted to invest in real estate, but they didn't understand it. They didn't know how but they were there asking questions. Hmm. And I think that once you do that and you form a community of people that you are comfortable with and comfortable asking questions to, you'll be okay. Of course, you'll make mistakes. That's just life.
0: (laughs) just life. So that's kind of the perfect segue to my question about somebody might be listening and might be thinking, you know what? This sounds really interesting. I really should put a portion of, you know, whatever liquid money I have right now. Aside from, well, Including, you know, the amount, right? That's always a question. Well, do I need to save up? You know, what? Do I, how, mu- how much liquidity do I need to have to get in on real estate? So, some people might be asking that question, and then with that, and what are those early steps? You know, you one of them you just mentioned: get yourself educated, go to these events, ask the right questions, right? But then it's like people are asking themselves, okay, so then maybe the net, you know, $100,000, $200,000, maybe what do I do? What's the next thing? You know, I need to find these off-market deals or do I just call on a tar-tour-ski? Like, give us some ideas for the person who's like, whoa, I want to start. I don't even know where to get started.
1: So I think the key, if you want to start um, and don't know where to get started, is to think about becoming an LP. That would be like your first foray into this world.
0: Which is again, um, to repeat what you you have, right? You have a right. you have. You have a company and people would come as limited partners. That's LP. Into, into specific deals, deals that are ongoing, right? Um, I, I like to
1: think you should follow the rule that you should only invest what you're comfortable. I'm not going to say losing because I don't think you're ever going to lose it ever as a long time. So let's say I don't think you're likely to lose it. Um, if you're working with somebody reputable but money that you don't need at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the horizon is three years, you don't need it for three years. If it's five years, you don't need it for five years.
0: Um, I would when never... You... Sorry, sorry, when you talk about the horizon, you mean the horizon and the expected longevity of the deal, meaning when you're expecting to sell the building? That's exactly right. Okay. Yes.
1: So that's generally the rule. Um it's different for everybody. Everybody has a different comfort level, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, that number is 500. Some people, it's 200. Some people, it's 75. I think for many, um, sponsors, they're not going to want to take money that's less than about 50 to 75,000. Um, just because there's probably, you know, a number of other people that will give them more. So right. they don't. To sometimes they'll do it. If you say, Hey, I'm a new investor, I want to get in, I just, you know, I want to tentatively venture in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's something that you can afford to lose, though you're not going to. That should be your mindset. Like you shouldn't be investing your last hundred thousand right. um, dollars or the money that you're going to need next year for your child's tuition or wedding or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I would not. I would not do that. It really needs to be more of income that would be sitting there anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And again, we're talking to the person who doesn't want to invest the time, you right. know, fixing something and dealing with contractors and all the things right. that Atara did at twenty-one. <laughs>
1: right, exactly. You, we're talking to the people who want to be limited partners. partners. Exactly. That's the term, and it's an LP for in, in the business. And they really
0: get to be part of the deal uh, without any of the day to day, any of the headache. And what kind of returns typically are, are we talking about?
1: Amazing question, because returns have changed quite a bit in the last mm.
0: several months.
1: Um, so so returns there again, we, we want to go back to what we said about cash on cash. Are you looking for cash on cash? Or are you looking for appreciation, also known as um, an IRR or an AAR? Um, which is return on your money, return on your investment, or maybe you want both. So I think a year ago, both was highly expected in most deals. I think that's not the case any longer. I don't know when you're going to air this podcast, but we are in a really an inflationary market and everything has changed quite a bit. So I think where cash on cash expected was at least, uh, seven to 8%. I think it's normal to be between four and 5% cash on cash. And Mm -hmm. I've seen many good deals that were lower than that. Um, I think IRRs were sometimes you know upward of 16 17% and now they are even 14. I'm not comfortable with much less than than 12 honestly. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of my colleagues are you know doing deals at 10% IRR. Oh. Return on their money and, and that, that works for their investor pool. You have to know your investor pool. Um, I like to be really careful. Um, and that for me, I think feels a little bit low, but there's no rule about it. Mm-hmm. And, and things are constantly evolving and changing. So
0: mm-hmm. the
1: market is, is definitely in flux. And I think everyone needs to be aware of that.
0: Hmm. 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 It's not. It's not to discourage it, but definitely, you know, definitely, like you said, be aware of that. Now, I'm curious, Atara, because you're you are a big advocate for women to, you know, to have this financial autonomy. Maybe we should call. Yeah, that that would be yes, accurate. Yes, right. Um, talk to us about, you know, why you think that's so important, to, and maybe also let's. Tra- trace it down to maybe your upbringing around money. Maybe that that had something to do with it. What was your upbringing like? And uh, let's talk about financial autonomy as well. Oh wow! So that's like a whole psychological
1: upbringing uh, <laughs> <laughs> and money. Well, that's it's very interesting point that you make, Al. I think that people have a lot of um, anxiety around money, right? Mm-hmm uh they they don't have it, they want more of it, they think they need more of it, they always need more of it, right That's just a common feeling. Um, I stand by the principle that money is only important when you don't have it. So I think money's value is only in the things that um, it can give you and for me it's freedom. It's freedom of, like I said, mostly freedom of time. It's freedom of geography, location. I can now work wherever I want, right? Um,
0: or whether you want.
1: Yes. And it, it's, it's autonomy around how do I spend my time?
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and there are days that I'm going to work really, 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 really hard because I got so much going on on my plate, right? And there are days that maybe I'm going to, you know, drive my kids to school and that's okay. Um, so I think, Money, um, means different things to different people. I certainly feel, like I said, that it is something that should be important for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Because it's not really meaningful just to accumulate. It's right. what, what can it do for you and the security, um, that it can provide. But there's so many much more important things than money.
0: Yeah. And Tara, in so many ways, it seems like you broke a little bit the paradigm that you grew up with, right? Because you became a successful lit- uh, um, securities attorney. You're a real estate investor. You said your parents were really not business people. They teachers, did you say before? My, my father was a teacher. Your father was a teacher.
1: My so- mother was a homemaker and she owned a
0: very small little store. Right, 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 right. Like a so store, a furniture store. So it's interesting because for so many people you see the opposite of what we're seeing here in the story, where we don't we hold ourselves back and we don't outdo our parents, let's say financially, right? And you, on so many levels, did on your own terms, obviously, because this is what you wanted to do. But it's it it is an interesting it's interesting to note as part of your own story of your journey.
1: Yeah, that's certainly an interesting way to look at it. And you know, for my own children, I, I I wonder if you feel the same. I certainly want them to do better than I'm yeah. doing and to impart to them all of the mistakes that I'm constantly making, because that's what life is. It's a journey of a failure. Right. There is no success without failure. And I'd like them to get um, to be more successful than I am um, financially, but in other ways mm-hmm. um, and really to be able to build. Um, an empire, which I certainly don't have yet, <laughs> um, but to be yeah. able to build, uh, you know, an empire of of real estate is something that I look at as something I, I'd love to be able to do for my children mm-hmm. so that they can have um, complete autonomy and freedom.
0: You know, it's interesting. I was talking to another real estate investor, a good friend of ours, and he has young adult children. And I said to our friend, so are you, are you teaching the kids? Like, are they into it? And interestingly right. enough, he said, they really aren't. And I'm not really doing that much to, you know, I said, Well, you have to, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always tell them don't be a lawyer. So <laughs> funny, my friend is a lawyer too, just like you. <laughs> so you, <laughs> don't you mean be a you, lawyer. It's not you a tell, feel good job. <laughs> you tell the kids not to be a lawyer. Meant? All the time. All so, the funny. time. My mother's an attorney and my mother in law's an attorney. And I pretty sure she also my mother also told me not to be an attorney. <laughs> Yeah, I
1: didn't. No, definitely not. It's
0: not, I mean, I think it's a,
1: it's a, it's a stressful not, it's not a job where people are, are comrades with one another. It's Mm -hmm. not a team sport. And I think that's uh, certainly
0: not a place where I want to be. Mm hmm. mm -hmm. But you found your own. You found that that part in real estate. So interesting, right? Well, I also actually found it in the law because I had
1: marketing at the law firm. So my whole job is to um, pitch cases, explain cases, meet with people um, Uh before board meetings. uh, Yes. So Uh I'm not not at the litigious end of it, Um, but I was. So I'm happy to have moved away from that.
0: Wow. Very cool. Uh, Tara, something I tend to ask uh, many of my guests, are there any financial habits that you practice, quote unquote, religiously regularly that you feel really have a, a good impact, a good positive impact on your financial life or your life overall?
1: Okay. So I'm going to say something that I think initially you, your audience might not connect to, but maybe they will if they take a moment. <laughs> I'm wondering. Um, I really believe that your financial health. Is in, completely connected to your physical health mm. and that in order to have any kind of autonomy over your finances and to have any order over your finances, you have to be in physical good shape and you have to take care of yourself. So you can't be like eating horrible food, Big Macs and, you know, snacks. Twenty-four-seven, and also be somebody who is financially sound. Mm. Um, I, again, I don't like to use absolutes, so I'm not going to say you can't. I'd say it is very difficult. Mm. I think in order to really focus in on your financial health, you have to also take care of your physical body and your well-being, and to be mindful of yeah. um, the things that surround that. How do you de-stress? How do you eat? What are you eating? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to follow like an 80-20 rule. So I eat, you know, healthy 80% of the time and 20% of the time I can cheat <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know have ice cream with the kids. But um, but I think you you can't be chaotic in your mental and physical health and expect to have financial health.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that point because we often don't see the connection, but it's all in the wellness space. And the truth is I always tell people taking care of your money is a form of self-care, a really big yes. form of self-care, yes. right? I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's all really linked. It's like that principle, like how do you, how, how you do anything is how you do everything kind of thing. I, love that. I
1: say that all the time. I think yeah. that's so true. I always tell that to my kids. Do well at everything you're doing, because how you do one thing is how you do everything.
0: Yeah, love that. So we talked about financial autonomy. We talked to your husband's also real estate, is also in real estate. How do you navigate for the women in the audience? Most of them are married. And sometimes, as you well know, Atara, money and marriage can, you know, um cause a lot of Money can cause a lot of tension and friction in marriages. How do you guys find that um, balance where you have your autonomy, where things, you know, how do you communicate? Give us some tips as as a married woman who's also very busy. Your husband's very busy and yet you're managing all these things. How do you keep that sense of transparency, autonomy, that healthy, you know, kind of healthy relationship with money in the marriage?
1: So, you know, I don't really have any advice on that. I can only say what's worked for us is that I think we're uh, dissimilar in many ways, which is complementary and then similar in our outlook and our mindset and our views around what's important in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think we have a lot of complementary skill sets and we know when to give each other space and he helps me with all the things that I am so bad at.
0: (laughs) Um, and there's many, I, I, I can't imagine what a tower I could be bad at. <laughs> <There's so many. laughs> okay. Like numbers. Like, it's so funny. Like I hate
1: numbers. I like have anxiety around that? numbers and I spend so much of my day now underwriting and I have to say thanks to my husband. Like I can fully do it and fully understand it, but it is, uh, it it was a struggle getting there.
0: Um so that's like so much hope, by the way, because it's the same thing in our relationship. My my husband's in real estate and he's like the numbers geek and the spreadsheet geek. And I'm like, I'm like, tell me again. I just don't get like he's like, Yeah, it's so basic. Just look. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's exactly for me. Um, I really didn't think. I, I actually said, you know what, I'm good at other things, so I'm never gonna learn this. But the truth is you you need to learn everything. Doesn't mean you need to do everything, but you need to really understand your business completely. Sure. Um, it's not going to be the thing that people like come to me as the super expert, but I feel very strongly about really owning, um, you know, everything around the business and then giving it over to people who can do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's something that, you know, my husband, uh, endless patience um, uh, would sit with, you know, he does homework with the kids. He does underwriting with the Tara. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it, you have to have complementary um, skills. It's it's a really nice thing if you have that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's the spender? Who's the saver? Let's hear.
1: Ah, uh, I'm definitely the saver.
0: Really? <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Were you
0: always? Were you always a saver? <laughs> always. Time? I counted every dollar that went out for no a very, very long way. time. No way. Yeah, yeah. I no wonder. It. No wonder you had that little nest egg saved up at 21. Yes, I really did.
1: I counted every dollar that I ever brought in from the time I was babysitting at 12.
0: At I had, I, I had already, I already had credit card debt. Let me just say it like that. I was like completely <laughs> clueless. You know, when I went to college that they, they had these like tables where you could just apply for credit cards and get a t-shirt. Right. And like <laughs> that was that those years in the nineties, you just got credit cards. You didn't know what right. you were doing by right. 21. It wasn't a pretty picture. <laughs>
1: Right. So I'm like just the opposite. I would like cut up my credit cards. I'd be like, I I need to, I understood I needed credit because I was getting loans, but I said, and I knew I needed two lines of credit. So I always had two credit cards and everything else I just cut up. I was like, I don't need it until this day. That's true.
0: Wow. Yeah. I have a
1: business card, uh, but like I keep like an Amex, like I
0: don't keep a whole bunch of cards. Yeah. I, just I love keep... the simplicity. I believe in the simplicity. Yeah. yeah. Now who taught you this? Because no, no one. <laughs> right. I was going to say, it's not the typical thing they teach us. I think I, I read a lot. I was a big okay. reader.
1: So I think I read a lot. And around, I think it's important for people, like if something interests them and if they want to understand something, they need to figure out how to find a way. So it could be reading, but today it doesn't even have to be. Right. That's what I love about podcasts, right? I agree. There's so much information on the internet. Um, you know, I don't know if you have this, but my kids will sometimes say like, so mommy, how do I do? I'm like, you know
0: what? YouTube. There's a YouTube. There is a YouTube. Before you ask me, did you YouTube that? 100%. Now, Atara, let's wrap it up with what I like to call Jewish money matters fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'll ask you, I'll give you an open ended sentence and you'll just finish it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay?
1: For
0: it. Okay, amazing. When I give Miser or Tzedakah, I like to give to
1: places that have meaning for me.
0: Mm. Give an example. What's meaningful for you? Um,
1: things around children and maybe
0: children in ill health. Yeah. Wow. I'd love to make more money because.
1: I want to free up my time to do the things that I want to do with the people. I want to do them.
0: Mm. Something I wish I'd learn about money growing up is.
1: Oh, that is a hard one. Something I wish I learned about money. You don't need quite as much of it as you think you do.
0: Mm, spoken like a real estate investor. I like it. <laughs> and it is true, right? In the world of real yeah. estate, it is true. Leverage. Yeah, really true. Um, money, spiritual or physical? What do you think, Katara? Or both? Oh, well, I, I'm so confused as to whether there's
1: actually a thing physical about money because it's all wired everywhere is, is money like actually, can I go to the bank and get my million dollars? I really don't think so. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I think it's really, a, like I said, it's about the other things that money buys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it, it should, it shouldn't be about accumulating the number in the bank account. I really don't think that makes anybody happy. There's th- that I know for sure. There's not so many things I know for sure, but that I know for sure.
0: Something I splurge on unapologetically is? Oh, stuff for my kids. Really? Yeah, I do a lot of Amazon. I'm
1: like, <laughs> I do a lot of Amazon shopping. I, I'm busy, so I don't like physically go into stores. You don't have to, but it's just so easy to like. Um, so certainly I am um, I always say like there's, there's never no around books. So whatever mm-hmm. book you want, I'm going to oh, buy you.
0: Yeah, we're like that. You want yeah. a book? Go for it <laughs> yeah, yeah today I'm most grateful for um, the, the my, my family,
1: my children and and having a career that allows me all of this freedom and the ability to impart to others so that I can be really fulfilled in, in various aspects of my life
0: yeah, and you do but it number beautiful. one is kids. <laughs> Yes. And you do a wonderful job of imparting that knowledge that you've acquired. Thank you so much, Atara. This was wonderful. Where can people connect with you, learn more about you and the business?
1: So you can go onto my website, AscendoCapInvestments.com. You can email me at Atara at investments. You can also find me at Tursky Law Group. I'm pretty much easily Google Law.
0: So. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Thank um, you so much. You've really demystified this all for us. And I think people are going to be really inspired. And hopefully they're going to be interested to start putting their money and making it work for them in real estate. Nice. So I certainly hope So thank you, Al. It's really lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Atara, for stopping by. That was super enlightening, wasn't it? If you have any questions or you want to learn more about Atara and, and Accendo Capital, head over to LinkedIn where you can reach Atara or check out our website, accendocapitalinvestments.com and that's A-S-C-E-N-D-O capitalinvestments.com. Com. Today is day number one of my free five-day retreat. I'm ready. To discover the Jewish secrets that will make you richer. This is again one of my favorite events of the year. It's definitely not too late to join. I will be with you for five full days. But I recommend if you're just catching up to this, if you didn't know about it, you join now because you'll want to be in on the action. You'll want to receive the replays and the homework. And participate in submitting those homework, daily homework, since we will be raffling off a ton of good prices every single day, including scholarships to my signature 10 week group coaching program, God Wants You to Be Rich. So be sure to take part of the retreat by registering at yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat. You can catch it live on Facebook inside our private group or via Zoom every day live. And again, you'll get access to all of that at yaeltrush.com forward slash retreat. You register there and you'll get access to everything. I hope to see you there. Have a great week.